Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit national gambling support line 800-522-4700. Muckleshoot Casino is going to empty the vault. Win your share of $100,000 cash this month. Come in any day and get a free entry. Get bonus entries on Wednesdays and double entries on Tuesdays for every 2,500 points you earn. Just play any of your favorite table games or machines to enter. Drawings are every Wednesday in August from 6.30 to 8 p.m. It's Empty the Vault, and it's only at Muckleshoot, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Any port in a storm is right there. Wind Ribbon is gearing up from the outside. Background is called on as well. And they head down the stretch in the mile. And Wind Ribbon lays claim to the lead. In deep stretch, it's Wind Ribbon. Here comes Background flying on the outside. And Background just up. Horse Racing Northwest is back from Emerald Downs. It's August of 2022, the Long Acres Mile just around the corner. What a race we had in 2021, last August, as background up at the wire under Rocco Bowen for Bob and Molly Rondo, trainer Mike Puich. What a dramatic finish that was, and uh, we certainly remember that. Vince Brune, along with Joe Withy and... Bill Downs is back, our track announcer. How about last year's mile there, Vince? Yeah, and one thing that stands out as a line maker, they showed up early and kept on betting on background all day long. He went off at two to one and was hammered in all the multiple races. And uh, boy, he had to work though to get up. He He, did. You know, Mike Puich uh, grew up in Renton and of course trained at Long Acres early in his career and has been part of uh, just about every single Emerald Downs meeting. He might have missed one there in the late 90s as far as starting a horse. But, you know, they all thought that background would be, you know, laying third or so right around there, pressing the pace maybe. But uh, he said that mile is a tough race to win. And uh, Rocco Bowen, you got to hand him a lot of credit too. You do. And they're a perfect team. They both grind away. Yeah. And, and background at a mile Six starts with four wins, a second and a third. He Ooh. is a perfect miler. That's so, a good stat yeah, right there. Yeah, he really likes that. Incidentally, the horse he beat last year, Wind Ribbon, 
we'll have a, I know you'll have Blaine Wright as trainer on here a little bit later. Blaine looking as many as three, I think you said in the mile. Wind Ribbon is in for 25. Okay. In a, in a pretty good uh, sub feature on Sunday going six and a half furlong. So that'll get some people thinking. Yeah. He just hasn't been a factor in the stakes races so far uh, with his big speed that he showed in the last two seasons. Joe Withy, Vince Brune, Bill Downs, Horse Racing Northwest. And yeah, John White's going to be our guest today. We're going to be talking Long Acres Mile. Many of you are starved to hear from John, who was a uh, bi-monthly guest on the Win Play Show for all those years. And of course, big part of our Long Acres Mile coverage and presentation. Honorary steward for the race in 2011. But let's hear from Bill Downs. He missed a week. He took a week off. How'd you happen to... Do swing that, Bill, and welcome back. By the yeah, way, yeah. How well, did you pull that off? Well, you me guys, and, are, me and Joe have been here, veterans, and well, you, you and Joe's <laughs> taken off a couple of days. That's true. Me. We you, have. You've taken off a day, which is very unusual. I, you know, I took I, off a weekend. You're right. The old uh, adage: uh, you uh, you don't uh, work to, to live. You you don't live to work. You work to live. Or is that how it goes? Something like that. But uh, got back that. out east. Um, was in the Pittsburgh area, and also my girlfriend of. Gosh, it's now about 14 years or so. She doesn't want to get married, so that's, don't <laughs> ask that question. But um, it was her birthday as well, and so I have this place in Pittsburgh I haven't really seen. I I, I literally bought furniture the day I, the day before I actually moved out here uh, for for the first uh, stint, if you will. And so I haven't even up until I got in the in the in the house on uh, Monday morning. I haven't even sat in the in that furniture in my, in my own place. So I uh, went to a Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, Philadelphia Phillies baseball game. Nice. Uh, so that was nice uh, getting out. Uh, took care. I had a lot of personal stuff to take care of. Um, so it was nice to kind of get everything done in one swoop, if you will. Got up to Erie, Pennsylvania. That's where my girlfriend's from. And uh, spent uh, some time up there, and her family's up there, so there was a million people to see, and lots of friends, and and whatnot. And yeah, it was hot, but uh, I think it was a little bit warmer here than it was uh, out in uh, Pennsylvania. You guys were in the 90s, I heard. So mm-hmm. um, that's uh, pretty hot uh, for this uh, this region any time of year. So I can understand why there was just those uh, seven races uh, all three days, uh, and saving up, uh, and you know. And when you're not used to the heat, the heat is uh, is is really tough on on horses and the and people. So I certainly uh, I could see why uh, there was only seven races. Uh, we usually do that on Friday, but Saturday, Sunday to have seven. I can understand why with the heat uh, reducing the uh, load, if you will, on the horses and the humans. Exactly. So. Well, good to have you back, Bill. And uh, you haven't mentioned your dogs yet. You were anxious to see them. Oh, yeah. Were Lambert. they anxious to see you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the, I have uh, two little dogs, Lambert, who's named after Jack Lambert, the former uh, our Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker of the, the 70s. And I have a little uh, little dog named Irene, who we rescued from Puerto Rico. She survived the uh, hurricane and... and um, we re- we saw a picture and my girlfriend was knew the people out in Puerto Rico and actually went to Puerto Rico to pick her up. She was the one I never know because she doesn't like to talk too much in terms of barking and all that. But I picked her up. She was so excited. She decided Uh-oh. to, uh, that's excited. Yeah. So that, that does, I didn't, I did not expect that from her. <laughs> so I was, I was actually, uh, 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 I guess, uh, 
kind of amused by it, but uh, you know, she doesn't know she doesn't bark, so she shows her she shows her love in other ways. So, uh, yeah, they were both uh, very very thrilled, and uh, that's great. Uh, yeah, we only got you know seven weekends left at Emerald Downs, and uh, you know we're already about what sixty percent through the meet or something like that. Yeah, and so time flies when you're having fun. You bet. And uh, yeah, Long Acres Mile. Yeah. A week from Sunday. Big and, field. You know, it looks like we're going to have a big field. Uh, we've spoken with Blaine Wright and uh, Candy Kreider and a couple of trainers that are planning on running multiple horses. At least they're going to enter. And it's an allowance stake uh, condition now rather than a handicap. So that will determine who's in the field and who isn't if we get an overflow more than 12 entered. And uh, yeah, it looks pretty exciting. You know, the governors from August 20 or from July 24th, that race won by Slew's Tiz Wiz pretty easily in the end. But so many horses ran well in that race, Vince. You know, they really did. Papa's Golden Boy held on for second, but all those, there's four others just coming right at him late. Yeah, Spitting Image kind of catches mm. the eye for a mile. He's got a really nice style, that horse, I think. And he, he loves this racetrack. And yeah, Papa's Golden Boy did his usual thing. Not a little bit of an interesting start, though, for him, Joe, as you pointed out after the race. He ducked out at the start, veered out sharply, and then came back in pretty sharply. Uh, but he didn't really open up on the field like he usually does. Wind Ribbon went after him pretty hard. Yeah, that second early. quarter was fast. It was fast. And still, he shook clear into the lane. You could see Slew's Tiz Wiz at the quarter pole was going to be somewhere there because he was starting to pick him up. And uh, But Papa's Golden Boy, you know, nothing wrong with the last four sprint stakes here. What has he got? Three wins and a second yeah. in those. And, and he didn't get beat a whole lot in the mile last year. So I wouldn't quite rule him out yet. And then you, you know, Majestic Eagle is the horse that uh, scratched out of that stakes. Out John Lindley, yeah, mm -hmm. our uh, own John Lindley, uh, uh, part owner of a Majestic Eagle, scratched out of that Wicker stakes and, and allegedly is being pointed for. I'd, I hope it happens. You know, if you look at his PPs and the horses he's run against the last few years, and John had a good point. That horse, although he doesn't win a lot, he's he's kept a high level of competition. You know, he's never really dropped in class and holds his own. And he has. Uh, you know, he's certainly worked well on dirt. I know he's only run on it three times, but, uh, you know, thinking about the morning line, Bill, you were mentioning he would be up there somewhere, you yeah. know, in, uh, in the morning line. He's in the, uh, top third, I would say from all the Definitely. horses I've heard about, I would put him in the yeah, top. Yeah. He'd top, be a bit of a wild card three. on dirt, but certainly you'd have to respect, you know, yeah. the connections and all those things. Neil and Drysdale. The class level. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, it would be a real great wild card to have in this year's race. Yeah, uh, three years ago, he ran his first race for John Lindley and Ray Morton, and he won uh, the American at Santa Anita. And, and he hasn't won a lot since then, but as you mentioned, he's been keeping very good company. He did ship over to Phoenix this year and won a stake there. So uh, Second in the Daytona yeah. at Santa Anita, which was a graded race earlier this summer. Yeah, and uh, we don't have a confirmation from Hastings as of yet, but it's a rare year when... None of their horses are sent for the mile, and they have a couple of uh, candidates. So nominations don't close until Sunday. The draw is Wednesday here at Emerald Downs, Wednesday, August 10th, this coming Wednesday. And we also have a really big day. Uh, stakes pick four, all stakes pick four with our Derby, our Oaks, and, of course, the Emerald Distaff. The Derby and the Oaks, those nominations close Saturday. The okay. stuff and the mile close Sunday. Yeah, so an all-stakes pick four on mile day. We're going to have uh, the 
Breakfast at the Wire. The lone breakfast at the Wire this year will be on Saturday morning, August 13th at from 8 to 10 a.m. Dean Mazuka is going to host that. Of course, a huge mile theme. Breakfast at the Wire, free to attend. There are breakfast options for purchase. And just a great show right out there during training. Of course, there's a little half-hour break during the show. But right after that, you can also run the mile. You can run around the Emerald Downs Oval yourself for $20. And proceeds go to the PDJF, the Permanently Disabled Jockey Fund, which we'll also be raising money for that this weekend at Emerald Downs. And we, uh, we have a jockey race schedule. That's always of interest on Saturday, this coming Saturday. So uh, also the Railbird Rally, that'll be from 11 a.m. to 12.30 on mile day morning. Railbird Rally, and if you're in the track, you can come over and attend. There's going to be some beverages and uh, some food options if you want to partake. We'll have a lot of mile guests there and, and get the get the, uh, the info out for the 87th Long Acres Mile. And John White's going to be joining us on the show today on Horse Racing Northwest to talk more mile stuff. Um, we've got a couple of stakes races this weekend, uh, Vince, so, and you've got the fields uh, we just drew for Sunday. We did. Uh, first of all, Sunday's kind of interesting card. The first four races are quarter horse races on Sunday. We're going to have trials for both the uh, Bank of America Emerald Downs Championship Challenge and also the John Deere Juvenile Challenge, the top 10 qualifiers uh, from each of those two races for the older horses and for the uh, two-year-olds move on to the finals on uh, August 28th in uh, three weeks. So the first four races Sunday, quarter horses. Race six, the Barber Shinpo, two-year-old two fillies from the rail out driveway, just claimed for 25000 off a of maiden win. Ask Alice. Nice maiden winner for uh, Frank Lucarelli. Starry Beach, Aloha Breeze, grazed and confused, and drawing the outside post will be the heavy favorite, Miss Dynamic. Once mm. again, supplemented by owner Brito, uh, breeder Tony Mendoza, Jesse Velasquez, the trainer. Juan Gutierrez back to ride, so a nice draw for her going six and a half furlongs. Then uh, two races later, the eighth is the Lad Stakes. Tyrell Colts and Geldings going six and a half. Number one, it's Turbo. Number two, Deschambeau. Three is Supermax. Four, Chuckanut Bay. Five, Mr. Midas. And six, JC's a legend. So, uh, stakes double header on uh, Sunday, races six and eight. And then I mentioned race nine, a real interesting older 25 claimer, wind ribbon mile runner up last year, taking on the likes of Dutton, Heredia Boxer, a triple winner at the meet, McCall Lane, Stand Two, and Miss the Boat. So, another good race yeah. there. That's a good field. Okay, uh, so there's a look at Sunday. And if you're not hearing some of your favorite two-year-old names from the season so far in those stakes, well, little two-year-old issues going on with the shins. And uh, there has been a little bit of uh, illness going around the backstretch. Uh, Two-year-olds are more susceptible to that. So uh, we have what we have for the Shinpo and the WTBOA lads this Sunday at Emerald Downs. We're also going to hear from Blaine Wright later as well. We talked to him earlier this week about his Long Acres Mile nominees. And Blaine has six placings in the mile, including a victory in his last eight starts. Yeah, and since 2018, it's funny, I just did the research too. He's got uh, six starts with one win, three seconds, and one third. Yeah. So three real tough beats too, uh, you know, especially with uh, any port in a storm. 
losing a law-abiding citizen in the race that uh, you called. And then, of course, last year, Wind Ribbon with a heartbreaking oh, loss to not uh, the truth. To background. Yeah, and he also had, was it Alert Bay runner-up to Barkley in uh, 2018. And then, of course, another twist of fate, winning very easily in 2020. Yeah, Blaine Wright, uh, well, his uh, stakes prowess, we've been noting it throughout the season. He won five of our first eight stakes races at Emerald Downs this year, which is pretty mind-boggling. All right. Uh, Tom Harris called the races last weekend uh, when Bill took the vacation, and it was good to see Tom. He, of course, is part of the Corgi presentation, along with Alex Wilson of the Weather Channel. And you can watch Corgi Day at Emerald Downs on ESPN2 tonight, Thursday, August 4th. It's on at 9 p.m. our Pacific time. 9 p.m. tonight, ESPN2, our Corgi show and that show is also repeated this weekend a couple of times. It'll be on Sunday morning at 7 a.m. and Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. That's the 2022 Corgi Day hosted by Alex Wilson and Tom Harris and uh, produced and edited by uh, Wes Petrie and Cy Labar of our TV department. Uh, a great show. And, uh, hey, I guess uh, last year's Corgi show was shown just last night as well on ESPN too. So they like our Corgi racing. All right. Uh, hey, let's see. Vince, how about last week's honors on our three-day race week? Okay. Yeah. Our jockey was uh, Clay and Millwood, a uh, newcomer mm -hmm. from back east. Got his first win wire to wire on a horse called Hunter's Ghost. Trainer Debbie Perry. Uh, she had a couple wins, including a nice feature race win by Smoke and Shadow. And the owner of the week, Lisa Bay's Jerry Carmody, uh, I think their trainer, Jesse Velasquez, had at least three wins last week. They're really heating up, so great job by Lisa and Jerry. And then our Washington bred Torpedo Away, bred by Dan McKenna. That's one of the Blaine Wright nominees you'll be uh, talking to Blaine about. Uh, bred by Dan McKenna, as I said. Torpedo Away ran the fastest six and a half of the meet, 114.26, even faster than Sluice Tiz Wiz in the in the governor's mm -hmm. in a nice allowance win uh, last weekend. Yeah, and Jesse Velasquez, I believe, was was he 0 for 29? Yeah. We and all knew he was going to catch fire. He does this several yeah. times over the course of Emerald Downs history. Yeah, he is, uh, and boy, he had a couple real nice, uh, Napolitano at 13 to 1 uh, last weekend. I know the country music guy, Joe, I'm ashamed to say I didn't, I hadn't heard of him. Everyone was the only person at the track who probably hadn't heard of him. And he sang the anthem and everyone wanted to meet him all. He met the jockeys and all that. But he was in the suite right next to my office and he was whooping it pretty good when Napolitano won that race at 13 to one. So he knows his way around a racetrack, Trace yeah. Adkins. Trace Adkins. Yeah. Tom Harris was uh, overjoyed to introduce him and the national anthem. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess he stuck around. He likes playing the horses and he performed at the Muckleshoot Casino last Sunday night. So that was a, an impromptu anthem singer at Emerald Downs, a celebrity we got on Sunday. All right. Uh, news and notes updated there at the website. They are. They went up this morning. Okay. And if you want to enter Run the Mile, you want to run around the Emerald Downs Oval on Saturday morning, August 13th at 11 a.m. You can enter through our website, emeralddowns.com. And uh, racing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I just threw out a note here on Paul Johnson. He's got both his stable stars in. Paul Johnson, two horses, Classic Leah and Code Charlie. Two for four, Classic Leah with a second. Code Charlie's two for three with a photo finish loss. Uh, 
He's just on top of the world, that guy. Code Charlie was entered for 62.50 Washington bread on Friday, but I think he's running Saturday and started on. So it was going to be a long lineup. Yeah. claims bill was going to have to announce a lot of trainers to report to the paddock yeah i was not going to be happy about that he called paul bill did about that did told him to run him in a start okay and you know what's funny is cody's choice no, won last week really. another one of those jesse velasquez wins we're talking about a horse got a huge buyer and i for a while i think i finally got those two straight i used to say code Char- cody's choice when i meant to say oh. code charlie and vice versa because they're both fast front runners yeah Right. Okay. Uh, Premio Esmeralda was last weekend, Saturday and Sunday. We had a really big crowd on Sunday. Uh, that uh, Fiesta Premio Esmeralda has caught on very nicely. Uh, the dancing horses, the mariachi singers, uh, just a great flavor at the track. Big crowd on Sunday, nearly capacity, and uh, just a good, really good atmosphere at Emerald Downs last weekend. All right. Uh, I think that's the first segment. Um, We will take a short break and come back with John White. It's Horse Racing Northwest. Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code SPORTOFKINGS, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first. 30 days with that much free cash on the line what do you have to lose get started at first.com slash bet that's number one st.com slash bet and don't forget promo code sport of kings when you sign up and if you already have an express bet account you're way ahead of the game simply log into first bet using your username and password and you're off to the races a few 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with first bet and reside in the state where such activity is legal void to prohibited national gambling support line 800-522-4700 Skywalker holding the lead by three quarters on the outside. Zulu is has second by three. Then bedside promise. Then trapped all along the rail. Polynesian fire in mid-track. Skywalker holds the lead. Bedside promise is closing ground. Skywalker, bedside promise will drive on the outside. It's Skywalker. Bedside promise, they're neck and neck. Bedside promise, Skywalker. Skywalker, bedside promise. The 1986 Long Acres Mile. Of course, at Long Acres, won by Skywalker over Bedside Promise, a great finish. Skywalker had that little extra at the end, just like he did at Santa Anita as a three-year-old. Lafitte Pinkai aboard, and uh, John White has told this story a few times on the Win Play Show in KJR history over the last 20-some years, that that was his last day of attending Long Acres. And we bring John White on to Horse Racing Northwest for the first time in a couple months. John, we need a John White fix, and we've got it. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. That's certainly a fond memory for me. It was a great day of racing. Seems like only yesterday I was in the media center talking to Bob Schwartzman of the Seattle Times, Dick Cartney of the Daily Racing Forum, uh, many others there in the media center. And uh, everybody was telling me how Bedside Promise was a lock. Hmm. <laughs> and I kept saying, well, <laughs> I don't know about that because I don't think they're beating Skywalker. And uh, I had uh, I was calling charts at that time for the Daily Racing Forum at Del Mar. And uh, I happened to see 
Skywalker's trainer, Michael Whittingham, son of the great Charlie Whittingham, come up to the roof to get a tape of the San Diego handicap that Skywalker had won. And I asked Michael, where do you think you'll be running Skywalker next? And he said, well, if Lafitte Pinkai doesn't get bays, I'm going to send him up to the Long Acres Mile. Mm. said, have you ever been there before? And he said, no. I said, you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, that's the big race in that part of the country, and uh, you, you'll just have a blast. And uh, he says, well, why don't you come with us? He says, uh, we're, we're chartering a jet, and it, oh, the only – the only uh, passengers are on the jet will be me, the exercise rider, the groom, and the horse. And they actually uh, chartered a jet for seventy, like $75,000. John Franks, who uh, owned Herat, a, a very diminutive son of a northern dancer, he wanted to run in the Long Acres Mile, he called up Oak Cliff Sable that owned Skywalker and said, I'll split the plane cost with you. And Oak Cliff Sable said, forget it, your, your competition – we're willing to pay the money. You find your own way up there. And so they vanned her rat yeah. all the way up from Southern California. And uh, fortunately for me, I had something like $202. Skywalker. Uh, while everybody in the media center liked Bedside Promise, uh, they pounded Skywalker down to three to five favoritism. And boy, it took every ounce of strength in Lafitte Pinkai Jr. to hold a off bedside promise that day with Chris Wilson. That was a tremendous finish, an exciting finish, certainly turned out right for me. And uh, one of my favorite post-race quotes, you know, I've been to the races in Hong Kong, Japan, Australia, Canada, Mexico, but one of my favorite post-race comments of all time came from Michael Whittingham after the Long Acres Mile, and he was asked, what, what are your thoughts about winning this race? And he said, I'm more relieved than excited because as a heavy favorite, I felt like they were going to hang me from the space needle if he didn't win it. <laughs> yeah. well, and then I flew back up with the horse on the plane back to Southern California after he won that race. And then he won the Breeders' Cup Classic at Santa Anita that fall, a $3 million race, and defeated... Turco Man, who finished second, Precisionist finished third, and Turco Man and Precisionist were in the running with Lady Secret for Horse of the Year honors in 1986. And when Skywalker pulled the upset in the uh, Classic, that knocked Turco Man and Precisionist out of the Horse of the Year picture pretty much and left it to Lady Secret, trained by D. Wayne Lucas. Uh, a lot of great memories from 1986. Yeah. And, uh, John, as, as as you say, Joe, that was the last day I was ever at Long Acres. The last day I was first att attending clear back into the 1960s. Yeah, I'm jealous of that. I'm a couple years older than John, but he my first mile was 1972, and I know you saw. It. Were you there in '67? 1967 with King's Favor, yeah. who raced uh, for the Altea Stable of Joe Gustine at all. Uh, of course, that Seattle spelled backwards and. King's Favor would be a two-time winner of the San Pasquale Handicap at Santa Anita, a son of Preakness winner Royal Orbit. And he, uh, I had two weeks before King's Favor ran in the Long Acres Mile, he, he competed in the Governor's Handicap. And uh, I was sitting uh, in the grandstand with my dad, and I gave him $2. I said, I, please, I want you to go bet King's Favor, who was like one to five in the governor's handicap my dad said i'm not going to go down there and stand in those long two dollar wind lines because betting was different in those days than today you, you had two dollar windows wind windows and 
$2 place windows, $2 show windows, $5 windows, etc. He said, I'm not going to go down there for a one to five shot. And then King's favor got beat that day. My dad said, maybe you learned a lesson here, you know, saving your money. Well, two weeks later, we were back for the Long Acres Mile and I got my bet down on King's favor that day. And he won very impressively under John Sellers, Hall of Fame jockey, who I got to know years later in Southern California. He was the regular writer of Carryback, a really good guy. And uh, he uh, that was a fond memory of his coming out to uh, ride King's favor to victory in that 1967 Long Acres Mile. I was standing not only with my dad near the winter circle, but a good friend of ours who had actually uh, worked on the backstretch at Playfair was a good handicapper. Uh, he also bet King's favor that day. My dad bet Aurelius II, trained by Mel Studi, who had won the Long Acres Mile the year before. Uh, but uh, so when King's favor was leading coming down the stretch, my dad's friend, who was about six foot four, put me on his shoulders. That's the only race of my entire life I've ever watched on somebody's shoulders. Hmm. Hey, you know, the King's favor silks are going to be in the mile this year. The Joe Gonstein silks uh, have been resurrected by his grandson, Ken L. Haddiff, and Ken owns five-star general, who's been third and second in the last two Long Acres miles here at Emerald Downs, and uh, those are the silks Kenny's using now, so you'll see the King's Favor silks back in action here in 2022. So, John... Well, uh, I, I and that also headed for the Long Acres Mile this year is the defending winner in the race uh, background, trained by my friend Mike Hewitt, who thought he was the biggest Turbulator fan until uh, he admitted uh, that, no, he's not a bigger Turbulator fan than yours truly. But background, I think, has got a very good chance to be a repeat Long Acres Mile winner this year. You know, he's coming in uh, off these races at Oaklawn Park and Churchill Downs. Those are tough races. And uh, I like the fact he rallied from off the pace to win the mile last year. So he doesn't have to have the early lead. So I like that versatility. And I think he's got an excellent chance. And I was certainly tickled when uh, Bob Rondo, who I worked three Long Acres Mile telecasts on the Fox Sports uh, station there with you, Joe, and... Uh, Bob Rondo, and that was a lot of fun. And it's hard to believe that the last time I did that was 2003. Wow. That's when Sky Jack won the race under Russell Bays and uh, Doug O'Neill, the winning trainer, and Doug O'Neill kindly gave me two of the shoes that Sky Jack wore when he won the Long Acres Mile that year. And uh, that was a really impressive win by Sky Jack when he won that 2003 Long Acres Mile. It was, and that year uh, we put in some money for a Superfecta. Jeff Cooper was on horseback, if you remember, that year. Yes, indeed. Doing I remember when he was riding as an apprentice yeah. in San Anita. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you picked Sky Jack. Bob Rondo picked Poker Brad, who ran second. I picked Lord Nelson, who ran third, and Jeff blew our Superfecta. Jeff, sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> Jeff Jeff is an outstanding individual. You wouldn't know he was ever a jockey now. He's uh, about 5'11", 165 of super fitness, and he's got a couple kids that are doing real well as athletes. So uh, that was a little bit. And then, John, you were also honorary steward for the 2011 Long Acres Mile, which was heavy drama week at Emerald Downs. Well, that was a lot of fun. Uh, got my picture taken with the flame-throwing Texan uh, as, all, as well as Noosa Beach. 
And the winner was Awesome Jim, mm-hmm. uh, who ran in numerous Breeders' Cups and now is retired at the Kentucky at the uh, Old Friends in Kentucky there. Uh, I bet Noosa Beach that year, unfortunately, and had to uh, settle for the loss to uh, Awesome Jim. But uh, that was a tremendous honor to be the honorary steward for the Long Acres Mile of Race. Look, as I said, I've been to races all over the world. I've been to the Melbourne Cup, the Japan Cup, the ARC in France, uh, numerous Breeders' Cups, the Kentucky Derby. My favorite race remains the Long Acres Mile. I love to hear that, always. And uh, John has, uh, you know, picked a lot of winners. You were on Point Piper, I know, in 2016. I think you picked Strike yep, the Yep, $200, $200 win, and he paid twelve twenty. Yeah. And that race holds a special place in my heart because it's the last Long Acres Mile I watched with my father, okay. who passed away the next year, and we were in his den watching that race. And uh, I was on the Win Play show that morning and uh, made a strong case yep. for uh, for him and uh of course, I put my money where my mouth was and was richly rewarded for that. So that's another one of my very favorite uh, Long Acres Mile memories. That, that was the race Jerry Hollendorfer ran 1-2 with Cyrus Alexander finishing second. They were both good prices. I called Jerry on his cell phone after the race, and he was the grouchiest mile <laughs> I ever got. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, he, he loosened up a little bit, but I... I Somehow caught him at a bad time. But you know what? I do remember going down to get noms a bunch of years, and he was always gracious. And one thing that always sticks in my mind, him and Art Sherman standing there watching horses train at Del Mar and both talking about how difficult the race, the Long Acres Mile, is to win. Yeah, Hollendorfer won it a couple times there uh, at Emerald Downs. He also won with uh, A Dream is Born in 2004 on a muddy Sunday. So, uh, yeah, he's participated so many times. In fact, sent multiple horses up for the distaff also. So, yeah, we miss Jerry Hollendorfer around here. But uh, we have John White on Horse Racing Northwest talking Long Acres Mile, reminiscing a little bit. Uh, John, we we wouldn't be doing uh, true service to you if we didn't mention Turbulator once again and his 1970 running, the most famous loss in the history of Washington thoroughbred racing. Well, it really is because, uh, and I'm just really sorry. I, I interviewed uh, Marguerite Crawford extensively for an entire afternoon to write an article on Turbulator for the Washington Thoroughbred Magazine, and she showed me the uh, framed stirrup fragments from that. I mean, that's so famous, and I, I wish mm. I'd asked her. You know. I think she would have, like, left that to me in her will if I'd asked for it. So I, that's one of my big regrets. But mm-hmm. I, because I think that's now just lost, you know, to people that don't even really care about racing or whatever after she passed away. But uh, one of the other memories I have of that is I asked her whatever happened to that turbulator head bust that was in the uh, paddock at Playfair, and she said uh, it's in my garage, and I said. What are you going to do with it? And she said, well, because they were tearing down Playfair. And uh, she said, uh, I'm going to donate it to the Spokane Interstate Fair. And I said, oh, gee, Mrs. Crawford, I pleaded with her. Please don't do that. And uh, so I called you, Joe, the next day, and you contacted her. Unfortunately, she uh, was willing to go ahead and send it to Emerald, and it's there on display to this day. So 
I'm just glad that uh, I played a role in that, that that didn't end up uh, at the Spokane Interstate Fair. That belongs at a racetrack. It belongs at Emerald Downs. And that Long Acres Mile, I mean, it's so famous because when you talk to Larry Pierce, he really feels that if Turbulator hadn't been boxed in for the final three furlongs of the race, he only got beat two and a half lengths. And, I mean, Pierce almost fell off on the backstretch. The, the stirrup completely broke leaving the starting gate. And uh, at one point, Pierce was riding bareback. He had both legs dangling out of the saddle. And uh, then when he, at one point, he, he was up over the neck of Turbulator. I mean, it was just one of those freak things. And it was amazing that Turbulator even finished the race, let alone, you know, only lose by two and a half lengths. And, of course, Silver Double was a horse that he beat regularly. He came right back a short time later in the Seattle Handicap on a, on a wet track and beat Silver Double. He had beaten Silver Double in the Playfair Mile the year before. And, like I said, he beat him in the Independence Day Handicap in 1970, the first day I ever saw Turbulator race at Long Acres, I was in the grandstand with my dad. And on that day, there was a spill going into the clubhouse turn. And uh, Turbulator rallied from far back that day, one eased up in 134 and four-fifths seconds. And the crowd went absolutely wild that day. Bob Schwartzman had, was the first guy to uh, find out that Tom Crawford, the owner and breeder and trainer of Turbulator, after Turbulator had... Uh, he almost died as a two-year-old, but then as, as a three-year-old on the on Crawford's farm in Montana, he got he severely injured the knee out in the pasture on a sprinkler, and Crawford actually tried to trade Turbulator to a neighbor for two cows, and I got that confirmed from Sidney Powell, who worked for the Washington State Racing Commission for many years at Playfair, and uh, she said that's true. She says uh, that guy that Crawford offered to trade Turbulator to was a neighbor of mine, hmm. and I know it's. It's an actual true story. One of my favorite comments from a fan after a race was after Turbulator won that race, his first victory of many at Long Acres, and the crowd's going crazy, and he's coming back to the winner's circle, and he goes into the winner's circle. And because Bob Schwartzman had written about that uh, possible trade for two cows earlier in Turbulator's career, this guy yelled out, he's worth more than two cows now, Tom. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a good story, a great story. And uh, John has been in Southern Cal since, what, uh, 1980 or so, John, 82? 1981. 81. Yeah. Um, and you've seen uh, some of the greatest thoroughbreds in history compete. And uh, Bill, John will tell you that Turbulator was good enough to win graded stakes in Southern California. John, am I correct? Well, there's no doubt of that, about that in my mind because he was uh, – he, he was at least as good as Chinook Pass. In fact, I've been asked, who would win between Chinook Pass, the great Washington bred, the only Eclipse Award-winning Washington bred runner? And keep in mind, Lafitte Pinkai Jr. to this day says that affirms the best horse he ever rode, but the fastest horse he ever rode was Chinook Pass. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that Chinook Pass would beat Turbulator at any distance up to six furlongs. But once they get the six and a half, I think it would switch, and Turbulator would then start beating Chinook Pass. Chinook, uh, Turbulator, after all, did hold the world record for six and a half furlongs. He mm -hmm. broke it by two-fifths of a second. And uh, Turbulator, actually, I saw him win a two-mile race with 128 pounds. He, he was just kind of a real freak. And uh, the thing about Turbulator is 
1969 to 1970 campaigns were when he was in his prime. And don't, again, he didn't race as a two-year-old or three-year-old. But his prime was when he was four and five. Then he was out all of his six-year-old year, and he came back later. And he was not, he'd lost a step when he came back. So, yeah. but when you talk about Turbulator at his absolute prime, I mean, he didn't get beat that far by table run. I was there that day and saw table run win the Seattle Handicap, defeating Long Acres Mile winner Silver Mallet. Silver Mallet had run third to Reaver Ridge back east, and table run had run second to Sham at Santa Anita. And here's Turbulator in the twilight of his career having lost a step, and he wasn't disgraced against Table Run. And in fact, that day, Turbulator beat Silver Mallet, mm-hmm. who had held his own against Reva Ridge. Yep, that was the Seattle Handicap of 1973. Uh, some great history, always from John. John, did you get a chance to look at this year's field at all? Yes, I did. And like I said, I think that uh, I think background's got an excellent chance yep. to be a back-to-back winner here. Uh, I, I you know, when you go through the horses that are currently uh, looking at the race, uh, you know, I think I think he's sitting to where he's just going to be very, very tough in this race. Um, and like I say, a big key is uh, he, he I think he'll get a very good trip, maybe just sitting right off the pace. Papa's golden boy, you know, probably will be, uh, I would think, out in front early. And, uh, you know, but he's shaky going a mile. There's no question about it. He looked home free in the Governor's and then got run down late by Sluice Tiz Wiz. I will say this, Sluice Tiz Wiz really seems to be on his game right now, and I wouldn't take him too lightly. But uh, I just don't think Sluice Tiz Wiz, uh, at his best, can beat background at his best. So I, I have to go with background. I think he's going to be ultra tough. Yep. Bob Rondo uh, mentioned after the governors as well that Sluice Tiz Wiz is really a rapidly improving horse, and uh, he uh, is very aware of his presence in there. But, fellas, uh, you know, if you look at the governors, Sluice Tiz Wiz won it easily, and then five others are expected to run out of there, maybe even more. Um, When you put background against those horses from our governors going a mile, he does... Look pretty good, doesn't he? Yeah, and Sluice Tiz Wiz will be, you know, farther back early in the pace. You know, I know the pace is always going to be quick in the in the mile, but um, you, you get you get smoking too much. I don't want to be too close to the pace. Um, Sluice Tiz Wiz is really kind of. I saw when he finished fourth in that uh, earlier stakes race, and, and I, I made mention of it on on the podcast. I kind of he's a horse I've been following, and he got that allowance when he did it easily. And then he followed it up with with the big stakes win, and I, I yeah he's probably the horse right now I'm leaning towards. Yeah. Um, you know, background will be the favorite. I think uh, between uh, you got three morning line odds makers, two uh, who are currently yeah. uh, morning line odds makers, and Vincent and, and John. Uh, I, I used to do it at, at Indiana Grand. I you know I, I I'm guessing he's got to be the favorite uh, at this point. Background. Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so. Sluice Tiz Vince, uh, you were on Sluice Tiz Wiz at nine to one in the Governors. And I you was gave him out on this uh, podcast. But I, the thing, uh, in my opinion, 
sleuthed his whiz. I think he can route, but I think he's a better sprinter than he is a router, but he's horses prove us wrong all the time. But there is something to be said for the sharp local horse in the history of the Long Acres Mile. Those horses coming out of the governors or even going back to the speed in the old days, and certainly around here at Emerald Downs, the, the top local horse has fared extremely well. So yeah, I think Sluice Tiz Wiz is kind of the now horse, but I agree with John. I think background, his accomplishments, you know, and his record at a mile and his tactical uh, uh, way he can rate just off a of pace and grind and great fit with Rocco and a, and a Long Acres Mile winning trainer. I mean, he's just got a lot of things uh, pointing his way. Yeah. Well, John, uh, I know uh, you'll be watching with us on Sunday, August 14th, mile day at Emerald Downs. And... That, is, that is a 1 to 20 shot right there, <laughs> Joe, for sure. By the way, <laughs> one, one quick thing here. Uh, there may be the mile winners in the fourth race uh, Sunday at Emerald Downs. There's a horse called Skywalker running Sunday oh, at Emerald really? It's a, a quarter horse. Okay. So. Skywalker's oh, wow. in on How Sunday. How about that? How yeah. ironic is that? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, we did talk about Skywalker, one of the great winners of the race. And by the way, we did mention Bedside Promise. He ran third in the Breeders' mm -hmm. Cup Sprint that same year. He mm -hmm. was a, a very good racehorse. Mm -hmm. John, yeah. thanks so much for joining us. And uh, I know you're busy doing the morning line at Del Mar. They're having a great start to their meeting down there. Uh, and in uh, fact, they're approaching they're approaching the starting gate for the third on the card right now for very, their uh, Thursday racing. Very good. Well. Thanks for the history and uh, the handicapping, as always, John. Thank you, always John. Good to be with you guys and looking forward to the 2022 edition of the prestigious Long Acres Mile. John White said it all. Thanks, John. Okay, fellas, uh, we're going to take a short break. You know, uh, I think I will relate one passing in our industry. Uh, Jim Auer passed away. Speaking of Long Acres Mile history, only three horses have won the race back-to-back. -back. Trooper 7, Simply Majestic, and Stryker Ph.D., Jim and Mona Auer, the owners of Stryker Ph.D. Uh, Jim, a native of China, uh, moved to the U.S. to educate himself and uh, got into business, built a very successful res restaurant supply business, and through media... Uh, business contacts, got into racing, went to the track, became a partial horse owner. And uh, I heard from his daughter, Sean, that the reason they purchased Stryker PhD at the yearling sale was because he was named already Stryker PhD. And he wanted somebody in his family to be a PhD, get an educational PhD. I like that. So that's why they purchased that horse. And he turned yeah. out to be one of the all-time Washington Brits. Margot Lloyd, the original trainer, yeah. we said many times, she she touted that horse early on, said, I've got a good horse in my barn. And me and Jacob kept saying, well, where is it? And it finally came out. No, it was a running son of a gun. And yeah, Jim and Mona, that, that horse striker has been taken well care of down at the Ross's farm in South Auburn. I've seen him out there many times. I believe he still enjoys rolling around in the mud. And I know Jim and Mona every other week would go out there and uh, visit the horse. So yeah, sad loss. Uh, yeah. Jim, our condolences certainly to Mona and family. Yeah, he did have an illness about the last year. Jim Auer passed away last Friday at the age of 80. We'll be right back with our final segment here on Horse Racing Northwest. 
Mucklesuit Casino is going to empty the vault. Win your share of $100,000 cash this month. Come in any day and get a free entry. Get bonus entries on Wednesdays and double entries on Tuesdays for every 2,500 points you earn. Just play any of your favorite table games or machines to enter. Drawings are every Wednesday in August from 6.30 to 8 p.m. It's Empty the Vault, and it's only at Muckleshoot, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Horse Racing Northwest continues our final segment here as we are just a week and a half in front of the 87th Long Acres Mile. Joe with you, Vince Bruin, Bill Downs here on the show. And uh, Blaine Wright, we talked about his prowess in the mile and his stakes races. He's uh, the last, I think, since 2016, including that season, he is over double in stakes wins in, to his closest competitor, which is Frank Lucarelli, Howard Belvoir, right behind him. So Blaine has also fared very well with his mile runners. And uh, top executive is his top horse in the barn. He is the defending Emerald Downs horse of the meeting. Has that awesome sprint win over pa uh, Papa's Golden Boy early in the season. And he skipped the governors. Let's hear from Blaine on top executive, followed by Huge Bigley and Torpedo Away. We skipped the governors uh, kind of by design. Uh, he just had come out just a little bit body sore and whatnot, and we felt it was best if we skipped the race and let him get uh, right a grin. And he had a super workout last week, looked like his old self, and he's a proven route horse. Huge big leads coming off a long layoff. Um, horse I had in my care uh, as a two-year-old, and then again as a uh, early four-year-old, we had him at Golden Gate, and he ran a couple good races there for us. But he's home, he's a wabred, he's by, you know, Mara kind of got things going for me and um, we just decided, you know what, we'll make this the starting point for him. Uh, we, we didn't see any prep races for him and we didn't want to sprint him. Uh, had a super workout last week, he worked a mile and 138. Torpedo away, uh, he ran a super race last week, he's never routed. Uh, we don't really know if we're going to run him not or yet. We just took him back to the track today and let the dust get settled off, but we'll kind of just take a look at nominations. Thanks to Blaine Wright and uh, excitement over there in his barn once again with some top contenders for the mile. Huge Bigley was one of the top Washington bred earners last year, winning a big pot at Colonial and also a big pot at Churchill last fall. And he's had some nine workouts leading up uh, off his layoff to the mile, Vince. Yeah, he's a, he's a route, I mean, a true router. Mm -hmm. All three wins are routes. Yeah, he won that $134,000 allowance race at Churchill Downs. I, I bet this horse holds a special place for Blaine Wright because uh, he's by midshipman, but he's out of Gadget Queen, who yeah. won two stakes here at Emerald Downs when was Blaine Wright's first stakes winner as a trainer. Yeah, there you go. And uh, in quick uh, research by myself, I don't think that uh, any Long Acres Mile winner, is, at least at Emerald Downs, has been produced by an Emerald Downs stakes winner. So, okay. Super trivia there. Obscureness. All right. Handicapping angles. Uh, one mile races. We've got the mile coming up. We've got a lot more miles than we did a few weeks ago. Um I think I've said this many times, uh, when you're stuck handicapping a one-mile race, go back and look at the one horse and maybe the two horse a little bit. They got a chance to save ground that first turn. I have seen so many mile winners just smooth around that first turn from an inside post, and they have picked up two, three, five, seven lengths on some of their competition just by 
saving ground around the first turn. So when they get when it gets tough handicapping, take another look at them. Forget about the price. Oh, and uh, look at those inside posts in one mile races. Bill, what do you think on a mile race? Yeah, just to follow up on that, uh, you know, a lot of times you you always look for post post position switches in turf races, and you know, being a one mile at Emerald Downs is a, a two turn race. Uh, some of that can apply uh, certainly uh, to uh, from turf to dirt. And uh, yeah, so I agree with that uh, angle. And uh, I guess I would add in the, you know, certain horses uh, like, like going a route of ground and, and, you know, a two turn mile is a route of ground. And, you know, it's not like the one turn mile at uh, Belmont or, or the old Arlington or anything like that, that I grew up with. And so I was looking for, you know, horses have a preferred distance. It, it might be, usually it, it takes a really special horse to be as good of a route horse as, a, as opposed to a sprint horse. I'm always looking for horses that want to go two turns. And, and that's uh, stuff that I always take a look at. And you, you see it early in the meets here at Emerald Downs. We're talking even, you know, lower level claimers all the way up to stakes horses, horses that are getting races in, they, they might do okay in sprints, but they want to go a route of ground. And that's, uh, I guess would be my, uh, angle that I would add. I'll throw out a one here on it's it's not pertaining to the mile, but our stakes this weekend for the two year olds are both six and a half. And usually, you know, if you own or train a horse, doggone, I don't want to draw the one hole, right? We always hear that. And I understand why it's kind of nice to be outside for, for many reasons, but in six and a half furlong races at Emerald Down since uh, the start of the 2015 meet, posts one and two are both at 18%. So they've just been just fine. You know, if you're inside, if you do miss the break, you, you really have a chance to get buried as they come out onto the chute uh, there. But the statistics show that the inside posts are fine. Six yeah. and a half. Here. Well, that uh, stats mean something for sure. Uh, yeah. If you bet the one horse going six and a half or you own the one horse going six and a half, you are just hoping for not get left in there because uh, that, you know. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to happened. draw it if I was training no. or owning or whatever. But, but. but you know, history bears out that it's been okay. That's a pretty good sample, 2015. Okay, let's go on to some handicapping. Uh, Bill, what do you have for us this weekend? All right, I got two uh, for you. I got one in on uh, Friday night in race number five. It's a uh, $8,000 claimer, now one's a three going six furlongs. And the one I like uh, is on the outside, the seven Mosquito Fleet who finished second last time out at the class level. Now in the barn of Frank Lucarelli claimed the horse for $8,000. And in that race on uh, July 8th, where he finished second, Mama Call Me Boo got a very easy lead in that race. It went off as the favorite. And Mosquito Fleet kind of had to do the dirty work and was easily second in that race. Favorite in the race is New Every Morning, who at six furlongs, he ran great last time out. He ran his best uh, race at six furlongs ever. Uh, goes from Rosales to Gibson, but he's just not the six furlongs is is stretching him every uh, yard. So I think Mosquito Fleet, as long as he gets some sort of uh, pace pressure from somebody else to uh, uh, soften up new every morning, that last 16th of a mile will be a long 16th of a mile for new every morning and Mosquito Fleet uh, at three to one in Vince's morning line. I like on Friday night and then on Saturday in the fourth race, like a horse by the name of Bo Rocks, the five horse in a six furlong, just a Philly and Mayor condition uh, claiming race for 2,500 going six furlongs. Had all sorts of trouble at the start, but once I watched the race even more, 
was in very, very tight on the turn and, and just had all sorts of uh, traffic in that race and uh, finished fourth, beating about the three lengths, a race that, uh, you know, what a flirt is the morning line favorite who had everything, I thought, her own way last time out, had the lead late and, and got uh, tagged on July 24th. Antecedents will uh, probably be closer to the pace in the race. And Bo Rocks likes to come from a little bit off the pace, but uh, I'll go with Bo Rocks at 5-1 to one in race number four on Saturday. Very good. Uh, Friday, I'm going to play a price horse in the third, Goldie's Hills for Bob Bean. Yes. That horse had that two-year layoff. You know, that horse has run pretty well. Bill those... mentioned that horse to me today, too. Okay. Goldie's Hills, uh, Coach Charlie is uh, going to scratch because he's going to run on Saturday. You've still got a little speed in there. And I like Goldie's Hills' uh, pace tracking ability. Uh, Leslie Mowing stays aboard. Uh Okay, Bill thinks he's live too, yep. and 12 to 1 on the morning line in the third on Friday night. On Saturday, uh, Code Charlie will be the favorite. Warfront Fighter is super hot. It's a great matchup between those two. And what about this Foster boy? I know I've been yeah, on no, him before. Yeah, he ran good. He's run a couple of good races. He's run a couple of really solid races at a mile, hot paces for the level. And yeah, he got beat by some closers uh, each time. But he's shortening up to six furlongs, and uh, he's got a long sprint history. So I think he can be tough in there. He's got a new jockey, Jake Samuels. But uh, he's going to be, what is he on your morning line, about five? Eight. eight. Oh, he's eight. Okay. So there's a couple price angles for me. Let's do some sports shorts. Uh, I'll go first. Long Acres Mile stuff. We've had 11 horses win the Long Acres Mile that have been locally based in our 26 runnings at Emerald Downs. 11 local runners. 10 have come out of the Mount Rainier. So that has been a huge... That's what I was talking about earlier. If you're sharp coming into the race locally, you you traditionally fare well. And most of those horses won a couple seconds, uh, except for the Jim Penny runners like... uh, Ed Nader was fifth, and uh, Sabretooth actually was second in the Mount Rainier. Both those were long shot winners as they shortened up to a mile. Just one other one, and that was uh, no giveaway coming out of the Governors. At 60 to 1. Yeah, and so he went off at 60 to 1 because he wasn't routing, and uh, but he was a closing miler as well as a closing sprinter and won the 05 mile at 60 to 1 for Herman Sarkowski, Grant Forster, Juan Gutierrez first. Long Acres Mile winner. So uh, we didn't have a route prep in Stakes Company this year. The Governors might be the one with uh, those five or six coming out of that race into the mile this year. Uh, Bill? Seattle Mariners made okay. a big trade. Luis Castillo from the Reds, 29-year-old pitcher who's having a terrific year, even though he didn't have a great win-loss record, but the Reds not uh, too strong uh, this year. And it, I think it's a significant trade. They they outbid the uh, Yankees uh, for Castillo, and he gives uh, the Mariners a huge one-two punch uh, with Logan Gilbert. And I think it was important. One-two-three punch with Robbie Ray, too. Robbie Ray, and then and, and, uh, what uh, Chris uh, Flexen. Flexen. Well. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they have that young pitcher, George Kirby, Kirby 24-year-old, yeah. but they really can't rely He's on, on a him. He's pitch count, yeah. Exactly. That's what I was going at. I think they needed to get another starting uh, pitcher, uh, if they're going to try and make any sort of uh, deep run, you know, granted it'll be a, a wild card and they'll have to win right off the bat. But uh, 
Uh, I thought that was the reason why they really had to make that trade because they can't rely on George Kirby. He was on that pitch count. I was looking back on his innings pitched in the minor leagues, highest he's ever pitched in one season, 109 innings. He's already at about 100. So um, you got Mitch Haneker coming back for for the Mariners. They say in about another week. You know, last year he had 39 homers, 100 RBIs, led the team in hitting. Maybe Kyle Lewis coming back. Yeah, yeah, and you know they're you know Julio Rodriguez right now on the on the. uh, I uh, disabled list, but uh, he'll be back in about a week or so. They're saying, and yeah, then, and they've got a very favorable schedule. Down yes, the after they get done with the Yankees uh, next week, uh, the schedule is a little bit easier, and, and so I think the Mariners, uh, you know, they have the pitching. They got a pretty good bullpen as well. It's always about the hitting with the with this team, I think, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, things will start to uh, uh, perk up uh, in in, uh, in at the batter's box. And they'll get the uh, Mariners into the playoffs. Bill's become quite the Mariner uh, backer and uh, follower. You know, what's funny is if you take away that, I think they're one and six against Houston. Other than that, they're like 27 and four Jeez. in there. So they've been on quite a run. Yeah, now there's, they gave up a lot. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to acquire a starting pitcher at the trade deadline, a good one, the, the price is usually pretty high. And it was. So that's interesting. Um, Bill's this the, the Seahawks, as we know, Joe, rule a roost around Seattle, right? Yeah. I mean, but with Russell Wilson gone, maybe the the Mariners are the bigger story. No. Uh, well, it, they're certainly front and center right now, and if they continue to win, play like they're playing, and progress, yeah, they're going to take some of the Seahawks' thunder. Now, I will say. There is a wager you can make on a season win total for football. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, with a couple season ticket holders of the Seahawks last weekend, and they each said that the Seahawks are better at every position this hmm. year except for quarterback. Okay. And their number's five and a half, five and a half wins. That's can, it? Yeah. Wow. You can bet uh, over or under that total. Now, if you bet five and a half, you got to lay a little bit of uh, what they call juice, like win bet 140 he, to win 100. Pete Carroll won seven games with Tavares Jackson as quarterback. Yeah. Well, they're about the same uh, right now. With, yeah, uh, with and that, they, well, they with, were very – but they lost twice in overtime in another game by one point that year. So they? the point yeah. was they were very competitive. Yeah, the dynamic duo of uh, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I mean, they need to be trading for – if you get any, any information at all, if, if Jimmy G uh, is, it, it, they take a look at him, then that five and a half might come into play. Okay. Uh, but with that, with that quarterback duo, it's the worst quarterback duo. You, they, they both stink. So they can't win six games with those two guys. I'll, and and, Even and, and Carol, Carol, all he does wants to do is play defense and run the football and, I, I don't know about defense uh, being but better you in every know, position. When, the, C- when the when the Seahawks were really good and won the Super Bowl, I, I'm not going to say Russell Wilson was a game manager, but they did, didn't really rely on him to do a whole lot. Well, that's why wait to wait to Seahawks fans see what Russell Wilson does this year with a a a scheme that that he allow him to throw the football more than just in, in the fourth well, quarter. They did have a couple years there where they let him cook, so to speak. And yeah. His numbers were when huge. Yeah. When they're down and all that. And yeah. you know, Joe and I had him on fantasy. <laughs> he made a lot of bad decisions the last couple of years with the football, in my opinion. I'm I saying. mean, he's a, don't get me wrong. He's been a great quarterback, no. the greatest in Seattle history without doubt. But um, his I'll, last year and a half was not great. In my eye, I and followed the, him, watched every game. And for the first time ever, he, you know, he was all one of the healthiest guys in the league ever. And who were his receivers last 
two years. DK Metcalf and, and Wilson and, and Lockett. Lockett, Tyler Lockett, which is not both. a bad tandem. Anyhow, it'll play out. It'll be interesting yeah. to see. My sports short, oh. um, a, a bad week for icons again in the world of sports. Mm. Uh, uh, and one of them was a guy we knew very well locally, Bill Russell. Uh, Joe and I, of course, followed the Sonics when we were young. And remember when he came to town, the expectations were high. And I thought he was kind of marginal as a coach. He did improve the team right off the bat. They stressed defense, which had never been really the case here. And they, he was the first coach to get them to the playoffs. But he kind of, you know, Spencer Haywood left town kind of uh, on acrimonious terms. And, you know, Bill had a huge ego. Pretty, Remember with Wayne Cody, the announcer, he refused to talk to him. And he was a very interesting man, though. A very well-lived life, uh, 11 championships in 13 years with Boston. Uh, uh, just uh, another big loss. Yeah. And he... Yeah, he didn't do great with the Sonics. Uh, I shouldn't say that because, as you mentioned, he was the first coach to get him to the playoffs. But uh, I just don't think he could. He saw players with the same intensity that he had. Now yeah. he had some ability at six foot ten and a half, whatever. But he, the word was, he threw up after or threw up before, like how many games a year? Yeah. All the playoff games. I mean, he was so fired up and so intense. Hell, he had to play uh, Wilt Chamberlain about eight times a year. Yeah. That wasn't easy when Wilt was scoring 50 he, points he, a game. A lot of people have pointed out he's analogous in baseball to Frank Robinson, mm -hmm. who was one of the first black, maybe the first black manager in baseball, and just didn't have use for players who did not have that intensity. Right. He had it. There's lots of talks, you know, where he would get mad in the dugout if he caught guys not watching the game and studying the opposing pitcher, because that's what he did. You know, and, and and of course, he's extremely talented, too. And yeah. then, you know, that's that's a good comparison. Robinson and, and Bill Russell, both from uh, the Bay Area. Both from the Bay Area, both Hall of Famers. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to uh, Horse Racing Northwest. And we'll have much more on the Long Acres Mile next week. And racing Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday afternoons here at Emerald Downs this weekend. Hope to see you at the track. This is Horse Racing Northwest.